Hello, my name is Kyle McCall. Welcome to the Mirror Spike Radio, where we assist in becoming the spiritual leader that you are meant to be. To introduce myself, I'm an ordained preacher from Eastern Kentucky. I'm joined by brother Jared McCool, who is a religious scholar from the University of Pikeville. Every generation has a great opportunity that no other age group has had, and we want to show you that opportunity. In this podcast, you learn the necessary wisdom to reach your fullest potential. We are on a mission to teach you everything we know, our skills and experience, as you navigate in this world to find your unique divine purpose. Help us spread the word and grow our community by sharing this episode with a fellow Christian millennial. Now that we are acquainted, let's begin. What you're about to discover is the inspiration of a generation devoted to sharing the love of Jesus Christ. This is the Millennial Spark. So hello, this is Kayla McCall. Welcome to another podcast. So I really heard the quote from Elon Musk, and I really didn't notice his influence until the last few weeks. And both his experience and his influence really signifies the crucial part of who a millennial is. It's funny to say, because Elon Musk is far from being a millennial. He's around the age of 50, when the oldest among us millennials are about 40 or 42 years of age. Yet his example is how my brother and I describe the average modern-day millennial the irony is hilarious when saying Elon Musk was among the first so-called pioneer millennials. But if you've watched the news in the past couple of months, you hear a lot about Elon Musk buying out Twitter. And I can't help myself but to do some research and look into who he is as an individual, or so-called the making of Elon Musk and who he is today. To give a description, he's made several businesses that have become very successful. He's the founder and CEO and chief engineer of SpaceX. He's the CEO and product architect of Tesla Incorporated. He's one among the many founders of PayPal, co-founder of Neuralink and OpenAI, and his impressive resume just goes on and on. Now, speaking of these companies, these are among the most complex and advanced institutions of the business world. These type of businesses are not easy to make. Some of these businesses face possible bankruptcy, and in some way, these businesses found a way to stay afloat. Bankruptcy was avoided. But the reason why I mention Elon Musk is because I really want to get inside his upbringing and who he is as an individual and how he sees the world, his skills and experience. And I want to not only see who he is, but also who the world says he is. I want to see his developed life philosophy, where he's been and where he's going. I began my study on Elon Musk by watching some of his past interviews by watching those interviews, I really admire how he speaks and who he says he is, his mission, his creativity, his intuition. And ironically enough, I think it can be said that he was among the first part of the so-called millennial movement. He's the exact example of the average millennial today, a 50-year-old millennial who is 10 years ahead of his time. But just by his life story, his desire for self-education, self-inspiration, self-enlightenment, on and on. It's these characteristics that I claim to be considered part of the so-called millennial movement and who a millennial is today. And every millennial listening to this podcast has such an opportunity, has such the ability and skills and creativity to find ourselves and who we were born to be. So if I recall, Elon Musk mentioned a really neat quote that I wanted to mention. He was referring to how the entirety of the world's knowledge 
is at the end of their fingertips. The power that it brings, the hope and potential that it brings, it's by our fingertips that we have unlimited knowledge. There's a vast amount of information. We can read credible articles, find advice from relatable people. We can even order a book from the other side of the nation and end up at our doorsteps in two days. We can get in touch with old friends, connect with new business partners, and so, so much more. It just keeps on going. And it keeps on going with all the potential that it has. And we can do all of this at the convenience of our home on a desktop computer, a laptop, tablet, or a phone. It goes without saying, the advancement of technology has created a new world. This is the highly undervalued privilege that us as millennials have. Whereas it can be said, funny enough, a brave new world. We can share the love of Jesus Christ to every person on earth. And in fact, we have went to every corner of the earth. We have the advantage of telling the words of Jesus Christ. As a child, I was an individual who was interested in astrology. Just looking at the stars and looking up in the night sky and just seeing the beauty, the interest, or whatever you might say, of thinking about the entire universe out there. And just thinking about this, the amazement and being in awe and in shock, I suppose you could say. But when I was a child, I really enjoyed astrology. And there was one specific evening I was with my brother. He was working on the computer for a class assignment. Of course, back in the 90s, this was a computer that basically took up the entire desk. This was a time where we used CDs and floppy disks. And at this particular time, my brother was actually studying for a science class about astronomy. I watched in amazement of what he was learning about, especially about the concepts of black holes. The reason for my amazement was because of how they acted differently with other concepts of science. It was as if the laws of physics were in control of every existing bit of matter except black holes. I was sort of in shock and awe. And as a child, it actually brought up the emotion of fear. The entire universe behaved in one way except within the grasp of black holes. It was a single point where everything we knew, what we saw visually and what we considered as solid and concrete, was no longer applicable. With the discussion of black holes, all of our understanding of physics ends up fading away. There is no more concrete. There is no more stability. And that's why I found this to be a mystery and was interested in so much. As I went to high school, that's what stayed in my mind. And at this same time, I had another significant experience. Another bit of knowledge that I studied during my high school years. And it was the stories of bioprophecy. This was something else I found mysterious. I even had a sense of suspense for asking what the future would hold, a sense of anxiety, a question of curiosity. And I believe these two concepts were of such significance during this stage of my life because I was so young and new to the world. I was just figuring out of how reality and the world works. And there's something mysterious, and perhaps even fearful, when you talk about the concepts that divide physics or predict the future. When what you feel as if you can consider stable to be, in fact, not stable. My interest in bioprophecy was intensified when I heard a te- televangelist named Grant Jeffrey. Not only did he incite the feelings of mystery and fear behind the concept of bioprophecy, but he did so in such a simple, easy-to-understand manner. While other teachers would spend hours on a stage or in a TV show and teach these concepts, it was as if everyone had wasted their time. No one understood it. No one knew how to interpret it. 
that is, until I found the teachings of Grant Jeffrey and the method of sharing his knowledge. He really was a big influence and the reason why I would study books about it, endless pages about the subject. The next thing I knew, I find myself reading an entire list of books. This ranged from theories of pre-tribulation, post-millennialism, literal and figurative interpretations, on and on, on and on. I would read the entirety of a book, closely observe each illustration, listen to every theory, and this is something I developed over time. And so as I graduated from high school and went into my first years of college, I actually developed sort of a skeptic philosophy because I was having a tough time. But it was funny because, in fact, I wasn't aware of the skeptic philosophy or what it was called or what it was. And I was tired and worn out from working because I was constantly being told, go this way, go that way, go the other way. And there were so many voices, I guess you could say, not literally, but figuratively, different people saying different answers and speeches and lectures and books, all these different types of answers, all these different ways to go in a direction. And there was so much knowledge being tossed around. And perhaps we can relate as an individual. It's so impossible. And perhaps this brings up individuals who call themselves, who call themselves agnostics and such, because we say the words of, I don't know what to believe, or I don't think we can find a way to believe, or I don't think we can find the truth. Perhaps the answer is we will never know. But I had the idea, I had thought of how much knowledge we don't know. Of course, this relates to my skeptic philosophy that I developed. And in fact, I actually learned about it my first years of college as I took a philosophy class and actually had a very good professor talk about it with me. This concept that there's so much out there that we don't understand, that we know, and it's sort of a pattern that we think we know everything and then we prove ourselves wrong and then we think we know everything and then prove ourselves wrong over and over. And I love how it's said in a book that I read that those who really gain knowledge and understanding are the ones who are the most humble because they realize that the answers they find will end up wrong. It's this constant progression of knowledge, this constant act of turning the page and developing a story. And so there's this constant progression of knowledge, this constant development, this constant change as what we don't know. And it's just so unstable thinking about all this. And it keeps you humble and perhaps in some cases afraid. I absolutely love the phrase of saying the smartest people in the world are those who realize they know nothing. And actually, this quote is sort of tied to Elon Musk. He, he sort of said something similar. I actually listened to Elon Musk during an interview, and interestingly enough, he mentioned the quote. He said the biggest mistake that smart people make is assuming they're smart. So in the end, Grant Jeffrey actually taught me about how I can find what I believe in. Because he explained things so simple and easy to understand and basic. You know, it's sort of like when you talk about knowledge and you go to the basics and build from there. And so that's how I really found self-empowerment and self-education, that we don't have to just sit down and listen to what's being told. 
but it's a possibility to stand up and make ourselves into something great and to do great thing. And we don't have to just sit down and wait. See, that's the thing about our relationship with God is some people complain about how God hasn't shown their destiny yet. When perhaps try to find that destiny, but it takes effort and belief. We have the opportunity to self-educate and self-empower and to complete a mission, but we have to believe it first. And that's the message I want to bring to you. And there is such a thing as the excitement of development and learning. And actually, I would say there's constant learning, there's constant development, there's constant understanding. And to say otherwise and just sit down and sort of stay stuck with what we already know, it's very discouraging. So let's build this together. Let's figure this out as a group of people who are looking for humble answers. And to wrap all this up, that's how I define a millennial. That's who this ministry is for, the millennial spike. And I'll talk with you another time. God bless you all.